Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. They're busy, Counterpoint. Players getting into the uh, situation room. We got Stephen LeDrew. Uh, what are you this week? You are a Toronto based lawyer, broadcaster, and uh, bread maker. Hello. Same thing as always. Same, same old, same old. <laughs> same jewel of the, what is it, the uh, diamond in the rough? <laughs> Very rough. And Jamie Ellerton of uh, Canaptus PR, who uh, had to drive through the Toronto streets that were apparently all closed. Is that the kind of, the commute today was? Bathurst is a total nightmare right now. Adelaide's closed and uh, is this like it's a weather and everything. Thing? I don't know. I saw a bunch of police cars there and a tactical uh, enforcement unit was moving uh, in. It's a shooting. Oh. We got a live one. All right. I shouldn't leave. I shouldn't. Is that what that unit means? Be, well, it's generally pretty serious. It will be live at 8.30. Yeah. Um, let's start with this headline. Uh, Rahaf Mo- uh, Mohammed uh, coming to this country under this urgent situation because, of course, she fle- fled a, a, an abusive situation in Saudi Arabia. She was granted asylum. And the Liberal government, all too happy to get the headlines on this thing, get a photo op of her now when asked, you know, are you going to be paying her security costs, given the fact that she's been, you know, th- her life threatened? They're not really answering on this. Uh, Jamie, do they owe her um, to pay for her uh, needs of security here? So I think what actually happened today was that Minister Hussein just totally screwed up from a comms perspective. He's, bed, he's inviting more <laughs> scrutiny and more complexity and adding confusion to his situation. Yeah. No or he actually should be kind to looking to explain. So she is here as a government-assisted refugee, which means she's going to get government support. As a, It's my understanding that Kosti, the reception center that's contracted by the government to kind of help her find her life here in Canada but does and she find not, her way. I mean, she's a, a special case, though. Exactly. So as a result of that, it's my understanding that Kosti indeed will start with cover some of that security while she establishes a new normal life here in Canada and they'll do ongoing threat and risk assessments in terms of like how real these risks are. You can see receive online threats, but they not actually be actionable as at a risk, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so given the high profile of it, of course, she's going to have additional protection because uh, her life is immediately uh, threatened and in yeah, danger. Why else get a and so until they get a better sense as to who, where these threats are coming from and what's at play, that's going to be there. So I think down, somewhere down the road in some government release, there'll be a cost uh, associated with this and we'll all have the information. I think Minister Hussein could have very quickly and more succinctly said what I just said uh, in probably 30 seconds and put this to bed. Instead, he looked like he was well, dodging, well, adding confusion. It. Yeah, I mean, look, here's just, I'll, I'll pay, play you like 20 seconds of his, his uh, 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 here. Take a listen. We understand she has security in Toronto. Wondering who's paying for that and if not the federal government, if it is a settlement agency, um, will the federal government pay for it? I, I I don't want to discuss th- that those particular details. We, you know, I'm I'm happy to uh, just say that uh, we're proud of our response. We, uh, as Ms. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. So look, he doesn't say anything. He's, but he's very proud of their response, uh, Mr. Ledru. Well, I mean, he is out of his league in dealing with this. Uh, and secondly, we would not have such a big problem with this if the Minister of Foreign Affairs had not paraded her in front of all the cameras the morning, I think it was a Sunday morning, when she came back. Saturday, to, yeah. Saturday morning, to, when she came to, um, to Toronto Airport. Uh, no, no one, or virtually no one, would know her face if she had not been out there front row and center with uh, our second most uh, popular minister. Uh, or Who's also minister. severely hated by the kingdom. Well, that's <laughs> we true. But you know what? They don't have their tentacles all over Canada yet. No. Um, so 
Um, I think that, first of all, maybe the Liberal Party should pay for a lot of the security on that. Secondly, uh, she does need security. We owe her that. And we do that with a number of people around. Uh, Jamie, as, as you said that eventually we'll have an uh, accounting of that. Absolute baloney. We aren't going to have any accounting of the security costs for this woman. But uh, since we brought her in, we parade her all over the place, she is owed the security of life. But on, with that, though, she is going to have to accept what the government tells her to do, which may not be settling in downtown Toronto. It may be somewhere else um, where she can get used to Canada and be absorbed into Canadian culture and uh, lead, uh, hopefully, as everybody wishes, uh, a very normal Canadian life. But it's been a cock-up before then. Yeah, it's been interesting, but uh, wasn't it necessarily the greatest day for, for this immigration minister? Because uh, the issue of illegal asylum cost, uh, crosses has come up, and, and look, they keep flowing in. In 2018, we had another 18 grand stroll in just at the Quebec border, and so the numbers have not gone down as we have been told they have, and it really, I think, only reflects the the entry point. Um, but but the conservatives say. Uh, accuse the Liberals of normalizing these entry points, and, and they have asked that they be be sealed. But this is a taste, I think, of what we're going to see oh, in the God. in the election. Here's what the immigration minister kind of barfed out in his answer when he was asked about it today. I haven't seen anything from the Conservatives. They don't have a plan. You know what their plan is? To militarize the border <laughs> and place a CBSA official or an RCMP official every 100 meters. We don't have the resources for that kind of you know, half-baked, you know, un impractical plan. Uh, Stephen A., it's not true in any, I mean, they've never proposed anything like that. And by the way, it would be a hell of a lot cheaper than allowing people well, to come I, in by the thousands I, I, and having to pay for them. But the Conservatives have never said that, ever. Alex, I was just listening to that response, and um, I agree with you. It would be a lot cheaper to have some more officials at the border than to have them all coming to Toronto and Toronto um, taxpayers paying to put them on cold nights like tonight you'll have other people going out there talking about where we're going to shelter these people well half the shelters are filled with people who have crossed the uh, quebec border and the federal government is not paying nearly enough to the city of toronto to house them and to feed them and to give them everything else that they deserve that they need um we do we do that with um with uh, with immigrants until they get their feet on the ground but this uh, this minister is, uh, again, as I said the first time, he's a lovely man. I've interviewed him. He's a lovely man, well-intentioned. But there are better plans to deal with this than sticking your head in the sand. And the other thing, Alex, when you introduced that subject, you said we'll probably be hearing this over until the next election. I hope we do have a great national discussion about this over the, um, the, the upcoming nine months of election yeah. campaign. And I, we're going to hear Trudeau saying, well, that's not the Canadian way. We don't talk about immigration. And you guys are being a bunch of racists. And that is simply going to be debunked, I hope, by all opposition MPs, because that is not the case. We have not heard a plan from this local government of how to stop illegal lime jumpers coming into this country, and we have not had a solid basis to to compensate. Right. Okay, but, but let me ask you, though, I want to take this, and I'm going to ask you this. Strategically, though, for the Liberals, this works for them because they've conflated the issue of asylum crossers and legal jumpers with immigration. They're not the same. Oh, and, absolutely. And this the Conservatives... The cynical liberal politics at its worst on this well, issue. We've, we've heard of what can yeah, be but, done. But I, it, if the Tories had any political... 
wherewithal, they'd be able to separate this issue from what the liberals are trying to lead them down. The liberals, of course, are going to try to sure. suck down that rabbit hole. But then but the J- should be better. It, they should be. And, and I think that's a, a point that is important that Andrew Scheer. He can't just cower from these attacks because they're very specific and strategical. And you know that. Scheer has to actually formulate an argument to, 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 to talk this down. Uh, so months ago, immigration critic Michelle Rempel actually yep. put forth a lot of initiatives on this, which includes potentially designating all border crossings, technical border crossings. Canada and the United States have an agreement called the Safe Third Country Agreement. I, I get all that. that allows you to but set we're in an election. We're talking no, sound bites now. So if you're talking about the Andrew Scheer stuff, frankly, opposition leaders are never able to cut through and never able to penetrate and really dry messages like people always want them to until you get closer to an election. He now has that platform and you're starting to see more of him in the media because, shocking, we are now nine months away from an election. As it relates to this issue, the Conservatives have actually been trying to be constructive. The Liberals want to play mm-hmm. of course. sword politics on this to bandy about the racist word everywhere they can to try and show up their election chances. And uh, Conservatives, frankly, have to fight back every step of the way and not let them and actually show their complete and utter failure of the government to act on this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, But again, we're talking a lot of low information voters. They only hear tail ends of bits and pieces. And and Sheer has to make sure that people understand we're not talking about immigration. We're talking about people breaking the rules, breaking the laws, and a government that will do nothing to stop it. And and Alex, I had a discussion with someone today in politics about this, and I said, you know, it may be even better, a better strategy for Sheer to just keep his head down. (laughs) Let the liberals get out there and people to say on their own accord, and listening to you and to, and to other, well, they wouldn't listen to other radio shows, but listen to TV shows, um, and say, that's just absolute baloney. And Sheer could come up in the middle as just uh, as uh, an alternative. As dimples. Sometimes you have to have a show, Alex, I, and we have to discuss welcome. about his dimples, because <laughs> I hear that over and over. One of my kids say, the guy looks just like he's got no Guts. So and what? You know what? He's a nice guy, and you know, you know what? Man. I'm not looking for a celebrity. Sunny I don't care. Ways, yeah, my I, friend I'll take less of that. I'll take uh, more. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions, going head to head. With counterpoint. counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Here on uh, Counterpoint, we got a uh, second round coming in. We got Jamie Ellerton and Stephen Ledrew facing off, and I want to I want to bounce off these f- fairly quickly because we've got a lot to get through. But Doug Ford uh, raising all sorts of temperatures over this carbon tax comment he talked about yesterday at the Economic Club, saying that it would be a disaster, uh, an economic disaster at that, and. Um, so he's being criticized for that. But I'll start with you on this, Jamie. You know, we've got banking reports out suggesting 46% of Canadians are now living so close to the edge that even 200 bucks, like if they don't, ha- if they were to get any new costs, including even a tax, they would be finished. And we know that a recession is closing in. Um, this may be a war of words, but I don't think Ford's wrong to fight this. So I'm going to take a slightly contrarian view on this. We heard absolutely nothing new out of Doug Ford's speech this week. He Mm -hmm. essentially rehashed his uh, speeches and kind of stump speech from the June election and talked in really high-level platitudes about how great his team is and how they're going to get to work. To me, that was kind of like a comms exercise of looking to pre-position and kind of continue to keep brand awareness there while 
lampooning the federal government on the carbon tax. They campaigned on getting rid of cap and trade. They fought the carbon tax. Totally get that. Yes, people are stretched thin. Uh, but the kind of the premier's first address six months after the campaign to really say absolutely nothing about where this province is going, how they're going to tackle. I don't know. Uh, you, 15 but billion, he said nothing, and yet we're ta- He's driving the headlines. No, of course. But I, I'm not so caring what he's going to do with January headlines. Mm-hmm. I want to know how he's actually tackling a 15 billion dollar deficit with real billions, not like hundreds of thousands of dollars here and millions of dollars there. I want to know how they're actually making better frontline decisions, and I think they could do more to talk about the actual nitty-gritty of government on a constant basis to have that stuff penetrate through to demonstrate action as opposed to continuing to rehash this June's election speech. Yeah, look, I think we'll probably find out more in the uh, in the spring budget where they're going with this, and I'm, I'm willing to give them a, a few more months, you know, like, like if you haven't given me any straight answers by a year in, then I'm going to start getting really pissed off about this, but the, the you know, the bottom line is we are in for some from some tough times and ford's got a lot of support on this particular issue and it's going to become a big problem for the feds uh steven well i'm going to be contrary to jamie on this thing and i think they may be signing up to be a speech writer at the premier's office but I mean, <laughs> my point is that when you go and give a speech to the economic club you talk about the topic of the day not whether you know not something for the next two or three years unless that is a topic of the day but the topic of the day is clearly uh the carbon tax and the topic of the day is also that people are saying well trudeau has given certain the federal government has given a lot of industries that create carbon a you know a a pass instead they're sticking it to the person who two for two two hundred dollars a week makes a big difference or two hundred dollars a month makes a big difference so that's the politics of the moment uh, so i think that ford was right to talk about that i'm actually just writing that editorial now i think he's been wrong in a few things but on that one he i think he was right to talk about it. i think he's absolutely right i don't give a darn about the economists and say well he is not right about the impact on the economy any tax any tax on a family is going to be disastrous right now. I think so. We are taxed yeah. right up to the yin-yang and beyond that. And uh, the carbon tax, I think that's why it's so unpopular, is that people are saying, hey, we all agree that we should reduce pollution, we should reduce carbon in the air. Why don't you go after the big shots who create it all uh, instead of the person who is just trying to drive his or her car or truck to get to work? Except he was elected six months ago. He's the leader of Ontario, and the constant refrain of picking fights with Justin Trudeau isn't balancing a fifteen billion dollar deficit. Did run and it's on, not making the on, impact he, here. He did run on getting rid of that tax, and part of the part of that is talking about what you're going to do. They're going into a courtroom three or four months on this. Besides, you got to have some fun in life, Jamie. Part of the big fun <laughs> in political don't... life these days is picking on Trudeau because <laughs> he is so pickable. And I don't think this federal government has done very much right at all in the last few months. In fact, I and many, many old-fashioned liberals uh, look at that governor and say, scratch our... our My our premier, I want to do her, not a deflector. <laughs> hey, I want to I hit the uh, Canada food uh, guide. There's a couple of other things I wanted to get to. Doing, we're going wrong. Yeah, well, they've got a new uh, heavy plant diet with a lot of twigs, berries, and water. And while I really <laughs> love... I help, Look, I'm a clean eater, so I believe in this stuff. But what struck me about this, Jamie, is... This diet is so expensive um, that for the average family, you know, if you're going out and buying vegetables every single day because you got to do this and cut it and prep it, that this is not an affordable diet for most people. 
Yeah, I'm fortunate because I actually do live here downtown and I live close to a grocery store. Sure. So we can kind of do groceries two or three times a week to pick it up as you need it. But if I think you're most families, you're probably doing groceries once a week, maybe once every two weeks and stuff goes bad. Uh, you can't eat frozen vegetables. Let's be honest. They taste like garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only put so much salt on them to liven them up. So I think you're going to hear some pushback on stuff like this going forward. Uh, I think the broad strokes, quite frankly, is no one even reads these damn things to begin with. So like, let's just get the government out of the business of lecturing no people kidding. what should be on their plate. I know. No kidding. Not to mention, lucky. You can't take half his diet to school because your kids can't take nuts. It's nice to have a guideline. There's no question about that. But to uh, leave, I think this must be worked in with our new trade agreement with the United States <laughs> yeah. because they just want to leave those dairy farmers out of it. They let them out to hang with the, with the new agreement, and they're doing it with this guide as well. I think that, um, Jamie, I just can't believe that. Downtown Torontonians are all going to be smarting by the fact that you say that frozen foods are not good. <laughs> Yeah, you know who's going to be, I got to let you go, guys, but you know who's going to be smarting over this is Alberta saying, really? First our oil, now our beef? I hate, they're going to be furious about this. Uh, on that note, I thank you both. A lot I of methane being released there. there you, well, there is, but they got a lot of good Alberta beef. Drive <laughs> back through the cops, Jamie. That is uh, Jamie Elderton and Stephen Lindrew joining us tonight. Thanks, guys. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.